0: Welcome to The World of Aeora, a news and lore podcast about the Pillars of Eternity Games, as well as Obsidian Entertainment's upcoming release, Avowed. Hello everybody and welcome to another episode of The World of Aeora. I'm your host, Eric, aka Gingerino. 42. Thank you guys so much for joining me on another episode where we dive into the lore, history, and game mechanics for Pillars of Eternity 1 and 2. A, to explore a game world that we love and geek out about it, and B, to prepare ourselves for Avowed as it undergoes development so that we can understand the world that we're going to be playing that game in. Today, I'm doing another entry that's kind of in the character creation series. It's necessary to be able to understand a little better about the classes that we see available in Pillars of Eternity and therefore Avowed. Like in most fantasy RPG games, you get to select a character class at the start of Pillars of Eternity, and that might be the case for Avowed, we're not really sure yet. When you are choosing classes in any of these games, there is always inherently magic classes, whether that's some sort of wizard, or a cleric, or a sorcerer, what have you. And how magic works in a game is important to the lore of the world, and how characters are even able to wield that magic in the first place. And in Aeora, it's no different as well. Today, I want to stop and look at magic and how it works in the world of Eora, how it works in Pillars of Eternity 1 and 2, and how it will therefore work in Avowed, and then to take a quick overview of some of the classes that use magic and how they interact with this magical essence differently. Uh, Before diving in, uh, there's not much news to go on for Avowed or Pillars of Eternity, however, there has been some rumors going around that the developers over at Obsidian are using Unreal Engine 5 to develop their games currently, and that would speculatively mean that Avowed is using Unreal Engine 5 as well. This isn't a huge piece of news, like, it's not going to be the thing we talk about for months and months on end, but it's still, it's cool to know, and I think kind of encouraging as well. I've heard a lot of good things about Unreal Engine 5 uh, come contrasted against Unreal Engine 4. Obviously, you know, you want to get better as you release new iterations of your software, uh, but it's also good to hear that Avowed will probably be utilizing the latest and greatest in game development tools and software. Not that I wouldn't trust Obsidian developers to develop a great game with UE4, but I personally, I'm just excited about that. I, I can't wait to see what they create with Unreal Engine 5. That's the only Avowed-related news that I have at the moment of the recording anyways. Um, but yeah, for now, let's just dive into today's lore. Ah, uh, Arthek were sunroth. Lava will be on seek. <laughs> I will be so today we're going to be talking about magic in the world of Aora and how it functions and operates within the world, what the mechanics of it are. Uh, to understand magic in Eora, you need to understand what soul energy or essence is in this world. The soul itself is made up of what's called Essence, capital E Essence. I often contrast it against how, you know, your body is made of carbon while your soul in Eora is made up of Essence. And it's not just your soul that's made up of essence. It's also the souls of other things, like animals or even plants, apparently. Uh, there have been some people in the world of Aora that are particularly attuned to this essence that have been able to detect it in very old trees and animals as well. So there is essence everywhere, and it flows in and out of everything throughout the world of Aora. And it is the manipulation and interaction with this essence that causes the magical effects that you see. So whenever somebody is casting some sort of magic in the world, it is them manipulating that essence that exists within the world. Now some sources of essence, if you were a spellcaster, could be your very own soul. You have essence within your body that is your own soul. Uh, You could be manipulating the essence within somebody else because they have a soul as well you could be manipulating the essence that is ambient in the environment around you that's just sort of flowing around all the time. Kind of like how right now I'm probably being bombarded with radio waves uh, that I'm not even aware of. Uh, But if I had a device capable of manipulating those radio waves in some way, I could use that for something. Um, As well, uh, you can also channel essence that is in, say, like local wildlife or flora fauna. That's different than ambient in the environment. I'm thinking more like you're going to use the soul essence that is in a nearby tree to somehow do something versus the ambient essence that just sort of exists everywhere at once. These are some examples of how you can access essence. And not everyone can. Not everyone has developed the skills to be able to interact and manipulate essence. And some people uh, don't have the natural ability to do it as others do. I don't know if there's anything in the lore that says that some people are barred from being able to do this. They have zero access to Essence and casting spells at all. In order to understand how some spellcasters within the world of Aora will use this, uh, let's take a look at different examples of classes that we see in the game and how they utilize spellcasting. So I'm going to go in alphabetical order. The first spellcaster that we run into in the list is called a chanter. A chanter is the closest class that comes to a bard in the world of Aora, the Pillars of Eternity game, but it's not really a bard. A chanter is somebody who through ancient languages or special incantations are able to invoke um, a kind of like spiritual reenactment of something in history or something like that and then project that in a magical form. A chanter is someone who will chant chants using phrases of poetry and stuff like that and through chanting these chants will generate magical effects around them. They're actually a very great class to have in Pillars of Eternity. I highly recommend playing around with it. It's just a lot of fun. Uh, As a chanter will chant their chants, they generate passive magical effects for themselves and people around them. But as they generate enough magical ability, they can cast an incantation because they've generated enough power. Now, how it works is that when they are chanting their phrases, it stirs the collective memory of the souls that are around them. So this is kind of like that ambient soul energy that's around them. And it compels this soul energy to uh, sort of reenact something in history. That's why a lot of chanters in the game are chanting things about a specific person in the past or a specific event in the past because they're trying to stir the memory that is stored within the souls that are kind of floating around in the background and they're trying to encourage and compel those souls to reenact those memories and thereby release the magical effect of that. So an example might be and this is how I imagine it would go is if you're a chanter and you are using this ancient language to talk to the souls around you about some ancient warrior that released a hail of fire in battle. Well, these souls will start to feel compelled by what you're saying with your magical incantations and your phrases. And as the souls are reenacting this moment in history, all of a sudden you're able to shoot forth fire because that's what happened in history and you're recreating it now. That's kind of the idea with the chanter, at least how I understand it by reading through the lore. A lot of the stuff you can actually read in the class descriptions. Like the, the chanter says in the class description when you're in the character creation screen, they're hallowed phrases stirring the collective memory of wayward souls around them, compelling them to generate magical effects in a kind of reenactment. And when he says compelling them, it's referring to the wayward souls that are just sort of floating around. And so that's how a chanter engages with the soul essence around it. So they tap into the ambient soul energy that is just in their immediate vicinity, and they get them to reenact these moments in history to create magical effects. Uh, so an example for a chanter spell, what they call an invocation is uh, this is a level one invocation called But René Derret's Ghost, He Would Not Rest. That's the name of the spell. You know, like most spells you hear of are like uh, Fan of Flames or Magic Missile. You know, that's kind of what you're used to. But a Chanter's Magic is usually the title of something in history. And the chant But René Derret's Ghost, He Would Not Rest, what it does is it summons a phantom to fight with you in combat. And so enchanting that word over and over again, or chanting those words over and over again, he, they're able to actually call forth a phantom, which I guess would be a bunch of wayward souls get together and sort of create this phantom to fight like Renee Derrett did, whoever that is. And that's an example of an invocation. The next class I want to talk about is the Cypher, and this is also a really great one to get into if you're just starting into Pillars of Eternity. It's kind of unique to the Obsidian world here in Aeora, however, it's not super unique. It's kind of close to a psionics class that you would see in other role-playing games, but I think that Obsidian does a good job of making the Cypher unique to their world because it really ties to the lore quite a lot. If you're wanting to play Pillars of Eternity and get into the lore heavily, I would recommend playing a Cypher character. Now, a cypher character, what they use for a magical focus, you know, focus being the thing in which you're using to channel your magic and, you know, be the focus of it so that you can perform magical abilities. The cypher's focus, unlike the chanter, which is the ambient energy around it, the cypher's focus is actually the essence and psyche of another person. So a cypher will tap into the magical essence, will tap into the soul energy of another person and use that for their focus of their magic. Uh, Because of this, ciphers are actually able to more easily read the mind of another person because they're tapping into their very soul in the first place, which is the seat of consciousness and memory uh, and personality. And so they're very able to read minds and get emotional feelings of what other people are going through. And they're able to use this kind of, I guess, what do we call it? Like psychic subterfuge, if you will, to enter into the soul energy and psyche of another person and cause magical things to happen from them. Uh, I can't remember the name of it, but there is a spell that you can use as a cipher where when you target an enemy, an explosion happens from them. You're using their essence that's in their body to generate a magical effect from that place. Uh, You can use it to create a web of confusion amongst people. If you have a magical area with multiple people in it, you can kind of web them together and create magical effects that way. And so that's how a cypher interacts with magic. That's how they display their magical abilities, is they tap into the essence that is located within other kith creatures. Kith creatures being most of the playable races that you can see in the game. And so an example of a cypher spell is Antipathetic Field. And what this does is it creates a connection between your soul and the soul of another person. And in that line between you and them, that direct line between you and them, you create a toxic physical manifestation of the mutual antipathy between the cipher and your target. That's what it says in the spell definition. And so essentially, anyone caught in this path will begin to suffer corrosive damage because you've created a psychic spiritual link between you and this person. And in the physical space between you and that person, you have kind of toxified the soul energy that is there because of your link, and you're able to damage people that walk in between you and them. So that's an example of how a cipher can use an enemy's essence as a way to damage not just that person, but the people in between them as well. The next spellcaster class that you can play as is a druid, which many of us are familiar with from typical fantasy RPGs. Now, how a druid deals with magic is that they tap into the spiritual power that flows through the simple living things of Ayora, such as plants, animals, and sometimes even living stones. They'll be wandering out in the woods. This is probably why druids like to be out in the woods and out in nature, because they have more access to this old natural magic that exists. And th- there is essence within the trees and within the animals, and apparently even some stones can have essence within them. And the druid, through concentration, are able to pull that essence out and focus on manipulating that essence directly for a magical purpose. Even, of course, spirit shifting into another animal, which is something that druids are you know, known to do. And so they aren't tapping into the ambient energy like a chanter is, but they're also not targeting a specific person and using their essence as kind of the focus. The druid is just sort of pulling from everyday things nearby them, and probably the more organic and more natural, the more essence they can find. And then the more essence they gather, they can use to create a druidic spellcast. So an example of a druidic spell, at least from the list here in the st- strategy guide for Pillars of Eternity 1, is Firebrand. What it does is it forms a powerful sword with a blade of pure fire in the caster's hands, and it will inflict burn damage and blah, 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 more gamey stuff. Uh, the important thing is, is that a druid will be in battle with someone out in the middle of the woods. They run into raiders or what have you. Uh, they, these enemies are encroaching forth upon the druid, and the druid f- closes their eyes and, you know, puts. I'm imagining they put their fingers on their temples. I don't know how they do it. Uh, but they, they pull the essence out of the nearby flora and fauna, and they take this man- magical soul energy, and they can actually use that energy to craft a blade of fire that they can now wield for a time in this combative situation. Now, obviously, they, they're not making the firebrand sword forever it's just sort of a temporary thing as long as they have the magical energy to burn as long as they have the concentration to do it but that is how they interact with the soul energy around them to perform magical things the next class that I'm going to look at is a priest class. Now, for those who are paying attention to the alphabetical order of the things I'm doing, you might say, oh, wait, what about the, the monk? They kind of have magical abilities, or the paladin. They definitely do some magic i stuff. Um, I'm, I'm going to talk about them a little bit later, not because I don't want to go in alphabetical order, but because they tap into magic like the other classes kind of do, and so it would kind of just be rehashing what we're going to talk about with these other classes. But a priest is kind of like a chanter, uh, but they aren't performing chants, you know, but they are pulling from the ambient energy around them. Priests use magic is, uh, at least according to the overview within the Pills of Eternity strategy guide, which was written at Obsidian, it says that, They are capable in combat, but their true power comes from their prayers. These prayers form the common spells priests use in battle, ranging from healing magic and divine attacks to a variety of blessings and curses. And so it seems that the priest is using the prayers that they have to the gods themselves in order to produce magical effects. Now, it's kind of like using the ambient energy around you, because I would imagine that the the deities that exist in this world are kind of omnipresent or whatever but when a priest is using their prayers to tap into that soul energy they're using it like a communication network to the god themselves and in their prayer they request some sort of magical ability or they're praying for something specific and as a result those things occur now i don't know if you know if you've been a particularly naughty priest in the eye of one of the gods if you pray something that a magical ability won't occur Uh, I'm sure something like that might be mentioned in the lore, but I haven't run into it. If anyone else has, please let me know. That's the idea how a priest uses it, is they are praying to the gods of Aeora, or a specific god of Aeora, and it's through that kind of ambient network of soul energy that they are able to get the magic from that and cast it forward. So it's kind of granted to them from the gods, but it's also kind of granted to them from the ambient soul energy around them, kind of like a chanter. Whereas the chanter is mostly just appealing to the souls themselves that are around, the priest is using those souls kind of as a conduit to access the power of the gods. An example of a priest spell would be something like Restore Minor Endurance, which shares a generous portion of the priest's divine strength, restoring a significant amount of endurance to all allies in an area of effect. And so if a priest has a strong connection with a particular god, they can pray to them, and that divine strength they're granted gives them the power to be able to cast something that is restorative to one of their allies. And the last class that I want to look at is called a wizard. Wizards we're very familiar with from lots of fantasy RPGs. They're the archetypal spellcaster. The wizard in the world of Aora uses a grimoire like a lot of other wizards do in other fantasy RPGs. A grimoire is a book that contains spells uh, to cast at your enemies and like in a lot of other fantasy rpgs the wizard actually doesn't have magic within them but they contain magic within their grimoires within the books that they carry and the job of the wizard in the world of Aora, anyways is to extract that energy from the grimoire and then cast it forward a good way of looking at it is uh, that the wizard uses these grimoires, these books. It's almost like a little container, like a little a little glass bottle that they would pop the cork of and then they would pour the magic out in front of them for a specific effect. You know, if they, they pulled out a bottle that says, ah, Phantom Flames, and they pop the cork and they pour the magic out and poof, flames come out of it, you know? That's kind of like, that's kind of the idea, but that's not obviously how it goes. How it works is that a wizard will study magic uh, from an intellectual standpoint, and they will learn how the souls around them can be manipulated to do certain things like create a fan of flames, and they will learn what incantations cause this to happen, and they will find ways to store that particular uh, magical outcome in the grimoire. So the spell, the magic, is actually contained within the pages of the grimoire, and what the wizard will do is that they will then, uh, like a guide, they will extract That magic and that spell from out of the grimoire and then they will in a very controlled sense release that magic in the way that it is meant to be so they are just a conduit for the actual spell itself but they have put it into the grimoire Um, to just quote obsidian and how they say it uh, in the strategy guide it says wizards use grimoires arcane books made with rare materials that can absorb and temporarily hold fragments of ambient soul energy from the world around them their grimoires act like a magical capacitors that store and redirect that energy Unlike priests and druids, wizards do not personally shape the magic that is released. Instead, their grimoire spell pages do most of the work. The wizard's specialty is in understanding how to help the magic flow in and out of the grimoire without going haywire. And then it goes on to say, as wizards continue to research, more spells are created every year. So a wizard is actually able to study magic and kind of discern how they can move things around to create new magical spells. An example of a wizard spell is Archimere's Dazzling Lights, which overwhelms anyone in the area of effect with a brilliant and bewildering pyrotechnic display, which ends up decreasing their will and leaving them dazed, uh, for the gamey terms. But Archimere is one of the archmages in the world of Eora, at least at the times of Pillars of Eternity, and a lot of uh, wizards, they like to name their spells with their name in it. So Archimere has created a spell, Dazzling Lights, and so he calls it Archimere's Dazzling Lights. And essentially what the wizard will do is if they have this spell contained within the pages of their grimoire, they will pull the spell out and then they will redirect it outwards to perform this pyrotechnic display in front of them. But this spell is actually contained within the book itself. That's how it works. So those are the main spellcasting classes that we have in the world of Eora, and I'm going to explore each class in different episodes if they have a lot of lore behind it, particularly the paladins. Paladins have really interesting history in how their orders came to be, but today we're focusing on the magic. Now, the other classes available are Barbarian, Fighter, Monk, Paladin, Ranger, and Rogue. And some of them have access to magical abilities, but they use the same techniques in one of the other ones. For example, the monk uses their own essence and the suffering that they inflict upon their bodies as a way to channel special abilities. I don't know if it's magic in the typical sense, but essentially a monk will will take damage from other enemies or inflict damage upon themselves, and this suffering produces some sort of uh, ability within them that they can... Not cast magic. They don't cast magic out, but they, like, all of a sudden their punches are super fast or their kicks knock you back 50 feet. You know, like, things that would normally not be possible to do if you were just doing them in a mundane way, right? So they are tapping into their own soul essence, but they're specifically using uh, suffering and wounds to emphasize and exaggerate these normal abilities to a magical level. A paladin will often use their faith and devotion to an order, which also might be related to a deity... And that faith and devotion generates magical ability, much like how a priest does. A paladin can actually generate a magical aura, so people around them will just always get this passive ability that they constantly are exuding. A rogue, um, I believe rogues kind of use something similar to wizards. I don't think they have a grimoire, but I know rogues in fantasy RPGs typically will memorize spells and find a way to contain them and use them to, like, say, turn invisible or something like that. There are lots of rogues that can do something like that, where they can cast an ability that turns them invisible. Rangers are often associated with druids, where they will cast abilities from the ambient energy around them. I actually don't know specifically if they do use it that way in Aora, but I know they have a lot of similar spells, so I'm going to guess that that's probably how they are channeling it. And so these are examples of how other classes might use the ambient soul essence around them to channel magical abilities. Now, when I transferred from the introduction of this episode to the lore portion of this episode, uh, you'll notice I had a different audio clip than what I usually do. And those are magical incantations. These are the incantations that wizards and ciphers and whatnot will often use to stir the energy around them or to channel the energy within them. And they are actually spoken in a different language, the language being And Gwithin, which is an ancient, ancient language from thousands of years ago, or Eldadirin, which is a little more recent, but still very old. Eldadirin is basically Old Aedirin, and if you've heard a lot of other episodes, you know that Adir is an empire that exists within the world, and they have an old history. So incantations are usually spoken in that language, and they actually have a direct translation. If you're playing Pillars of Eternity, you will hear these incantations so much that it is hard not to read them in the voice that you hear them in the game. Uh, but for instance, we have A which I think was in the transition in this episode, and that means to ashes. There's Moeth Ixi Aneth, which means power of my soul. Lavru Bian Sik means speech cuts flesh. Athek and Roth means "return to the wheel," which is essentially to say "die." You queth silmes mitum means "I speak songs of power." It was really hard for me to not go queth silmes mitum the, the way you always hear it in the game. <laughs> Cro acten means "blood and fire." Sacrethu means "damned," and ix maru means "of death." Right. So those are the translations to some incantations that we see in the game and that we actually hear in the game and it's cool to know that there's like a direct translation to that i think i might take some of these uh and see if there's anything that i can use uh, in everyday speech like if i was going to emphasize how strongly i'm going to do something in the real world i might just say moeth ixianeth which means power of my soul so with the power of my soul i will do this thing that i am doing <laughs> and everyone's gonna think man eric you are a nerd and you know what that's okay with me And so that is magic in the world of Aeora. Thanks, guys, for joining me on today's episode. Now, before I sign off, I do want to say one thing quickly. A person on Reddit sent me a message, and I want to say thank you to Ordis for sending me this message. Uh, I did an episode a long time ago on the Living Lands, and I also posted some lore on the subreddit for Avowed about the Living Lands, which is speculatively, almost basically confirmed, is where Avowed will be taking place in. But there was one thing in Pillars of Eternity that I never interacted with or I never noted and I didn't really know existed uh, called the Magefolk Skull. And there's some lore hidden within the Magefolk Skull that tells us a little bit more about the living lands and therefore something we might expect and avowed. So again, I want to thank Ordis for sending me this message. And I just want to add it here uh, as a way of being thorough and uh, giving him the credit for that. The Mage Folk Skull has a description, and this is it. Mage Folk, or their remains, have been found on most of the known continents of Ayora. In the Living Lands, they are rumored to have cities built with great towers that reach beyond the clouds. This helm was recovered by an explorer who claimed to have plucked it from the burial chamber of a Mage Folk Prince. Now, for those wondering what Mage Folk are, Mage Folk are essentially creatures or things that have been created directly by the gods themselves. They weren't like... Uh, born in the wild like a, a beast would or a kith person would. They were created directly by the gods for a specific purpose. Those are what a mage folk is. And apparently, a bunch of mage folk created these giant towers in the Living Lands. Uh, and so that's something we may might be able to see in Avowed if we are indeed playing in the Living Lands. Uh, there's some interesting questions that come up there of, like, why are mage folk doing this in the first place? And what purpose are they? Um, and can we go in them? Like, what kind of stuff is going to be there? So that, that's actually, it provokes a lot of questions. Um, but that's going to wrap it up for today. Thank you guys for listening. I'm your host, Eric, aka Gingerino. 42. If you want to get a hold of me, you can reach me on Twitter at World Aora or through email worldofaora at gmail.com. Thank you guys for listening today and I will catch you next time.